Welcome to the Chess Underground. Eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. All right, so um, welcome back to the Chess Underground. We're here for episode four. And today I'm speaking with Dr. Jason Jewett from um, University of Wisconsin, who I will go ahead and let introduce himself. Hi, I'm Jason Jewett. I'm a, a lecturer at University of Wisconsin-Stout in the math department. My specialty is commutative algebra. In chess, my, my one very brief claim to fame was when I, I won a contest to play a game against a Tupolov. And uh, a long time ago, I, 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 I used to be very very active in chess. I, I, I haven't, haven't uh, done so much recently, but... Uh, I still like following the game. Great, yeah. Um, Grandmaster Veselin to Paul, of which uh, we'll we'll get to for sure. And and uh, as I recall, you traveled all the way to Bulgaria for that event, correct? Uh, yes, that's correct. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, um, Jason, you know one one of the reasons I asked you on the show today um, is I'm sort of fascinated with this idea. You know, my my background. Um, you and I come from different academic backgrounds. You know, you, you're in the math department on the math side of things. My background is uh, in, in literature, actually, you know, uh, English, uh, that sort of thing. And yeah. as we play, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this as, as a chess player. Um, there's this strong, uh, there's this perception, you know, out there that there's a strong correlation, um, one direction or the other, let's say, um, between math and chess, and I don't know if it's you know um, math skills and chess skills, uh, math understanding and chess understanding. So I thought I'd, I'd bring you on the show because, as a doctor of mathematics, um, <laughs> who better to ask, right? Uh, than than you. Um, how do you feel about the idea or the notion that maybe in some way um, math skills are applicable to chess? Okay, so I, I've been thinking about this earlier today and, and, and looking up some things. So my short answer is going to be that there's not a very strong correlation, but I'm going to go into depth on, on that because, well, we have to make a, a show out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's but, not. No. <laughs> um, None whatsoever. Yes. Yeah, so of course the, there's, I, I think a lot, some part of the correlation is because Intellectual endeavors in general are are fairly well coordinated. Like usually, if somebody usually people are more often just kind of intelligent and, and good at a variety of things. So I think I think a lot of it is is uh, is, is, is that right. That, that, that there there there's that. Now, as, as far as more specific things go, I was thinking about there there um definitely some visual skills are are involved in, in both things probably more more heavily in, in chess I would say and depending on the kind of math um, you, you, visual visualization is pretty important Not yeah I remember the kind of math that, that, that I do so the kind of math that I do I was thinking as absolutely no no, no use in <laughs> chess <laughs> well I remember the yeah. joke that you told me um, sorry uh -huh. sorry to interrupt you but um, oh, no. You had sent me a math joke, which required some extensive explanation, <laughs> and, oh, oh, and yes. it was very visual. It was like this um, pattern. Uh, I, I forgot the name of it. Could you remind me? I, I think that was the Mandelbrot set that, that, that I sent you. Yes, of. yes, the Mandelbrot set, which was um, 
I'll do my best to describe it and you'll probably be able to do it better than I, but it was essentially like a shape or a, a continually changing shape um, that repeated itself as a pattern as the set continued. Am I describing that properly? Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good description. It's a kind of shape called a fractal that, a fractal that roughly speaking, when you zoom in on the shape, it, it looks the same at any level of magnification, uh, very, very roughly. Like you, you can, uh, you can YouTube videos of the of the Mandelbrot set. I like to see animations uh, illustrating this more clearly than I can describe in words. But that, that's the basic idea that that when you zoom in on it, it, it repeats itself. Yeah. So so that's is that sort of maybe more like the the visual mathematics that you'd be referencing? Yeah. There, there's some things like that. Or um, have, have you had like calculus classes or some kind of basic math. Like, like, a long like, time ago in a land like, far, yeah. far away. Yes. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, you basically, you probably remember like lots of stuff with like graphs and, sure, and, yeah. and thing, things like that where I remember making, um, um inappropriate words on my TI 87 calculator with uh, math yeah. symbols. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that's, that's another aspect of those classes. Um, but the, the <laughs> kinds of things that I'm thinking about are, there, there's some, uh, theorems in math like the intermediate value theorem for 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 instance that if you have a continuous function and and let's say that at one point the function is three and another point the function has a value of seven then you know in order to get from three to seven it has to go through the value of five somewhere because it's continuous has no breaks in it right so so that that's the kind of thing like when you look at a picture it's pretty pretty obvious um so like the visualization like like helps you realize that but if you actually try to prove it from the axioms, it's actually a, not not incredibly difficult proof, but it's like a, a graduate level um, proof to actually prove that, like really thoroughly straight from the axioms, even though it's obvious from the, from the picture. So in, in a lot of places in math, it's being able to, to picture things like like it helps you with, with your, your your reasoning, like in intuition, uh, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so like an intuitive so, understanding that five lies in that plot versus oh, I've got to prove it mathematically. Yeah. This sounds like yeah. a really complicated version of uh, showing my work in like seventh grade. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, advanced math is sort of like showing showing your work that you have. You're usually proving something that is kind of obvious, but then it's hard to actually prove that that fact. Mm. Um, yeah, so so the, the, that's where some visualization comes in math, and is is I was saying the kind of math that I do doesn't really have any pictures involved. So so I. Well, which is fortunate for me because my, my visualization skills are, are, are not all that great. But yet you're uh, a pretty decent uh, chess player. Somewhat. I, I, th I think for me, like a lot of it was that I, like when I was more active in it, I um, practiced like really in intensely and I, I researched openings and, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And once I became a, a math professor, then, then I started having um, less time to do that. So I just play pretty casual now. And, by, by now, I'm pretty awful at, at the game because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I don't think I had that much natural talent. I, I just uh, I, I just practiced really heavily, and then at, at the point where I stopped uh, stopped that, then, then it dropped off more rapidly, I, I believe. Uh, but in, anyway, so in, in, in chess, there's also obviously visualizations because I, I would say like probably would, would you say it'd be fair to say the majority of chess string has to do with being able to correctly visualize the position several moves down the line. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, at the way that I 
explain it to students, you know, that at some point, you know, whatever, whatever information you have or, or, you know, in a position, right. It's like you're processing information um, and you're making, you're making value judgments. You know, that's, that's what's interesting to me. And what I wanted to mention is there's so many mathematical terms in chess, you know, like, okay, let me just answer your question and then we'll come back to some of those terms, but, but like value judgments, for example, um, that's one of them. There's a couple others that came to mind. Um, but yeah, you know, as, as you're doing that process of looking at a position and trying to make a judgment or an evaluation, at some point, you know, at some point, your move that you choose is probably going to come down somewhere along the line, right? Uh, on that graph, uh, it's going to come down to brute force calculation. You know, how, how far ahead can I visualize and, and what do I, you know, as I'm doing that and I get to that position, maybe only two or three moves in advance, you know, maybe maybe that's the critical moment or maybe five or six moves ahead as I'm thinking in my head, as I'm visualizing, you know, how do I, how do I evaluate that? So, yeah, I, I do think so. I would say like visualization and brute force calculation. Um, there you go. Value judgments and calculation, right. To, to math terms. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that to answer your question. Yeah. They actually brought up a, 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 another um, thing I, I was thinking about how both, both areas do, do involve some sort of uh, pattern recognition memorization, I would say, like, probably a, a pretty large part, part of chess um, evaluation, in, in my estimation, is pattern recognition. Like, you, you've seen similar sorts of positions before, and and you kind of know that, that these, these sorts of things uh, tend, tend to turn out well or, 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 or poorly based on, on a rough glance, and then, then you can kind of look into the specifics of it. In math, it's sort of the same way that I see... Uh, a theorem that I, I think should be true by analogy with, with, with other theorems in math, and then um, I, I can think about well, such and such technique worked for for proving one theorem, and then I can prove another theorem. So um, there there is some aspect of that, though the kinds of patterns that, that one recognizes are, are somewhat different because mm-hmm. I, I don't really have to recognize like visual sorts of patterns. It's more words um right it w- would things. maybe it would be a way of describing that be saying you know a, a path of getting from point a to point b like if you're proving yeah it okay yeah yeah that yeah that, that's a, a good way of putting it yeah that for certain types of of, of um, things that you're trying to prove you know that a certain pathway to proving it is, is likely to work based on, on other things that you've seen so, so, so that's fascinating you're sort of like you're sort of like visualizing an idea almost is that sort of what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, it, it is almost like like that. Yeah, yeah, you can kind of imagine like a pathway connecting different like steps in, in the process. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that is true. They both involve some sort of memorization, though. Again, I'd say that they're somewhat um, different. So it's not a very strong kind of correlation. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so getting I, getting back to those yeah, chess yeah. terms that I had, uh, or, or, sorry, sorry, math terms, not chess, yeah. math terms yeah. that we use in chess, you know, I mean, maybe that's yeah. one of the things that affects this perception or this idea that chess and math are so strongly related. You know, another one that I think of um, that we hear all the time, you know, like, uh, in, in particular, in reference to like an interesting problem, you might hear someone say, oh, that's really fascinating geometry, you know, right, Re- referencing a chess position where a piece moves in a certain way. Or in a certain shape, um, uh, you know, like the the geometry of the position, or, uh, or even an idea. I don't know. I, I assume this is a math term, but I guess I don't one hundred percent know. You know, like triangulating with the king, right? Um, 
or, or another math term that comes to mind would be just, for example, counting, which we can refer to, you know, we, we use in a number of ways counting, right? Like, do the captures work? Yeah. Am, I, am I capturing yeah. enough material or, or that sort of thing? Oh, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 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 Those words do, do come from, 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 from math. So maybe, <laughs> confirmed. We can confirm yeah. it. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, kind of use them so, so, so somewhat differently. Like counting in chess is, is usually not literally counting. Like, like I guess there there is counting, like counting up the value of, of your pieces. But but usually we're referring to uh, calculating a, a sequence of captures and seeing who, who uh, comes out ahead ahead at the at the end uh, or, or something like like that. Like I'm kind of imagining a situation where both sides are like attacking, defending a piece through a number of times, and you right. Roughly count it up to see who, who uh, if the piece is, is in danger or not. Um, so that is, yeah, I'd, I'd say most of those words are just kind of loosely related to the math concept. Um, like they are a case of like where you define something by analogy with, with, with a word in math, but it doesn't really mean exactly the, the same uh, thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah, but I, I'd say I'd say it's fair to say that a lot of th- things from one um, realm or the other is inspired by it, at least like very loosely speaking. Like I, I was thinking about the, there are there are a lot of math problems that are um, solving the problems isn't really related to, ch- to chess, but just the reason why we looked at the problems in the first place was because of thinking about chess. Okay. Like there's there's the the eight queens problem of. You, you, heard, you heard of that? I think it's something like, uh, I don't know exactly, but it's something like you can have eight queens on a board without it being stalemate, right? Eight queens and a king or something? Um, the, the, one, the one that I'm thinking of is eight queens on, on a board that don't, um, none of them attack each other. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, All right. and then there's like a certain number of, of ways to, to put those down and, and you, can, you can count up the, the number of different possible ways to place eight queens that don't attack each other and um and well solving that is a purely mathematical problem doesn't really have much to, to do with with chess but just um that problem like in terms of chess pieces kind of inspired a, a way of um, thinking about 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 math problems and, and a way of tackling that right. or, there's also of course the, the knight's tour problem that that's the one where how fast can a knight jump to every square of the board is that correct yeah, yeah. Try to find a way that a knight can uh, jump to every square of the board uh, once, and and there, there's also um, there there are also nice tours where it starts and ends at the same square. Um, oh, yeah. So there's there's variants like like that. Yeah, and I, I actually like you you maybe seen like people on 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 TV like like I think I saw some kid on on, on TV solving a a, a nice a nice tour where where you give him a, a random square. And, and, and he uh, and he he does instantly say wow. a, a nice tour that that's all from that square, which actually pretty hard problem. I I, it's a, I don't know if I, if I if I could do it even with, with a lot of practice, but it's not quite as hard as it sounds because all, all you have to do is memorize like one complete nice tour that starts and ends at the same place, and then you just start your your sequence whatever square that they give you. So it's not. Really oh yeah, good that. point. Right, because whatever yeah. whatever move you right, that's a good point. Yeah, so so you really only have to memorize one solution and and then just start it from 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 wherever. So solving a problem like that would it be yeah. primarily about memorizing it, or would it? I, I guess you know, like 
Um, yeah, I, would it be more about just understanding the pattern of where you have to go next, do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure about... I, I would guess that for people who, who do feats like that, it's probably mostly... Memory. I, I, I haven't... I, I can't speak for myself because I haven't, I haven't done that, but I, I kind of remember... Well, at, at one point, I, I could solve a, a, a Rubik's Cube, and I, I kind of got how to do it by, by, by now, but when I, when I solved it, like... I think most people who, who can solve it uh, didn't actually figure it out for, for, for themselves, but like memorized a, a type of solution. I would guess it's probably the same same kind of thing for for, for most people who, who can do solutions to, to that because memorizing how to do something is a lot easier than figuring out how to do it. Hmm. Uh, I'm curious. Do you ever uh, do you ever put uh, one of these uh, chess math problems <laughs> like the like the knight tour or the uh, eight queens yeah. on a, on an exam for a student? Um, I, I I might if I taught the right kind of class. Though I, I haven't ever had to teach a, a class that, that would be about that sort of topic. That okay. would be in a combinatorics class, like where you the like the whole point of the class is basically to count how many combinations of ways there are to, to do different things, right. um, like. Uh, another example would be like you could calculate um, the odds of getting certain like hands in like poker or something like 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 that. Oh, okay. By, by counting up the number of ways to to get like a certain hand. Um, so so that that sort of thing uh, would fall into the same category of problems as the as these chess problems I'm talking about so far. They're just figuring out how, how many different um, sorts of ways there are to to, to do something or, or other. Uh, something that I looked up that was kind of interesting um, is, is a, a, a rook problem. Um, the, the rook problem, which is um, how, how many ways are there to place um, a certain number of rooks on, on a chessboard so that none of the rooks attack each other? Okay. And uh, obviously, it's pretty easy to, to, to place the rooks so that none of them can attack each other, but then counting up the number of ways that you can do it is the more interesting part. Right. And there, there are these things called. Um, Rook polynomials that are <laughs> yeah nice yeah, okay remember, remember, uh, polynomials from back in algebra yes right? I do yeah. I have sad memories of polynomials from back in algebra <laughs> yeah yeah so a rook polynomial it's a polynomial whose uh, whose coefficients are the n number of ways that, that it's possible to 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 place uh, that number of rooks on on a, a certain sized uh, chessboard that don't attack each other. So, mm -hmm. so for example, um, like if you look at the rook polynomial for for an for an eight by eight board, then the coefficient of x squared would be the number of ways to put two rooks on an eight by eight board that don't attack each other. And oh, okay. So it's just two rooks that don't attack each other. Yeah. Oh, because well, it's x squared. Is that why? Yeah. That's a, yeah. A different coefficient for each thing. So, like the coefficient of x cubed would be the number of ways to, to place, place three, three rooks on an eight by eight. Or that don't attack each other, which would be you know some somewhat smaller number. I right. I actually don't have the numbers in, in, in front of me right right now, but but, but yeah, you can you can Wikipedia them or, or anybody interested in that can Wikipedia rook polynomial to see these things. But that's really I, cool. I, I thought it was kind of interesting that these polynomials. I mean, it sounds kind of obscure, but they're actually there's actually a formula relating them to this thing from differential equations called the Lagrange polynomial, which. I don't know anything about differential equations. It's not my, my, my area, but I know that there's like some serious math, math uh, done in differential equations, and then there's this random connection between this uh, 
look, Earth probably only relates to solutions of a certain kind of differential equation to this random problem about about rooks. So uh, I, I just think that's kind of fun, like when there's yeah. a, a connection between two seemingly completely unrelated things right. um, in, in, in math. So th- those sorts of problems were are probably like what what I say is kind of the main like contribution of math to chess, like from a theoretical point of view. That the chess doesn't really help solving the math problem, but like nobody would really have thought of even like trying to, to solve these problems uh, if, if it weren't for for chess. Right. So is this sort of you know before before we sat down, uh, you had you had mentioned that your belief is that <clears throat> you think math actually benefits quite a bit from chess, less so than the reverse, chess benefiting from math. Yeah. Um, is I it this sort of thing that you're referencing when you when you say make a quote like that or a statement like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I'm uh, talking about. Is that is that chess kind of helped uh, advance the, the theory of certain parts of math just by giving motivations for looking at certain kinds of uh, problems, and then once you look at the problems, then then you find um, some math techniques that are related to other kinds of problems, typically. Uh, so, so I, I think that they, yeah, there there is a, a thing where math theoretically. Benefits or is inspired by chess, but I, I wouldn't say it necessarily holds the other way around. As, as far as I can think of, I, I can't really think of like a case where I was thinking about some math problem and then that inspired me to look into a certain kind of chess problem to solve. It is always right. kind of the, the other way around. Like thinking about how, how many ways can you place books that don't attack each other that then gives you a math problem rather than going the other direction. Um, hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so I would think just coming back to that rook problem because yeah. it's interesting, like the way the brain works. You know, I I think of that rook problem not as a mathematician, obviously, because I'm not one, yeah. but uh-huh. as a chess player, right? Yeah. So if you have if you have uh, the, the maximum number of rooks that you can place on a chessboard in such a way that they don't attack one another, um, would that answer just be eight, or or am I way off? Is there am I just like not visualizing oh. this properly? Because I'm thinking, you know, right? They they move along oh, ranks oh, and yeah. files. Yeah, that, that is, is correct. Yeah, that the highest coefficient in the in the rook polynomial for eight by eight board would be x to the eight because you can't place any more than eight on on the board. That's correct. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's like a mathematical proof of that, but I'm just you know trying to picture a board and thinking, yeah. well, rooks move yes. along ranks and files. So if you've got <laughs> one on this yeah. rank, you can't have yeah. another one. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, the, the, this is a degree eight polynomial, polynomial like, like you said. And then, like the, the hard, harder part is like figuring out well, what what should be the coefficient of x eight. That's like how many ways you could place eight rooks on the board that don't attack each other. Right, right. That, yeah, because you could do it like straight diagonally. You could do you know you could stagger yeah. them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You could do it a variety of different ways. And then yeah, I'm looking at the page for rook polynomial as as we, we speak. People can look stuff later if they're if they're interested. There's actually this. Formula for 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 the coefficients of the rook polynomial that you could calculate how many ways to, to do this. So it sounds kind of interesting. I I actually remember uh, I had a comment into us class that I took a, many, many years ago back when I was an undergraduate, and, and we did problems with, with rooks like this. I, I don't hmm. really I don't really remember the well enough to remember the, the solutions of the problems, but I do remember that this is actually one thing that we looked at in that class. Uh, well, yeah, we looked at a lot of problems. Just like the ones that I mentioned, um, yeah. And another um, thing that I, I think that 
math is inspired by chess a little bit is, is just a little, little bit of uh, game theory considerations. So I'd say okay. other games probably inspire game theory a little bit more than chess just because from a, a game theory perspective, doesn't seem to be a whole lot you can say about about chess that doesn't lend itself to the kind of mathematical game, game theoretic analysis. So just, you know, um, if I may, uh, we hear game theory, uh, I mean, at least I do, I hear game theory thrown about all over the place in, yeah. in pop culture, you know, sport, um, even television. Yeah. Um, so could we have like an actual like professor, doctor of mathematics uh, definition of game theory or explanation? That might be uh, asking a bit much because it's not really my, my area. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot, yeah. right? Because yeah. I hear it used, yeah. you know, in so many different places and, yeah. and I have this idea of, of what it means, but in the academic circles... Yeah. You know, it, yeah, does it take on some different meaning, or is it? I don't know. Um. Yeah. Well, I I I skimmed a book about game theory a long time ago, so I can tell you <laughs> a little bit about it. Okay. Uh, it, it, um. Well, well, you you just kind of look at it from a like very precise point of view, like like a a, a strategy is just like a. It's just basically a list of what what you're going to do against all possible, like in all possible positions. Like that would be like your your strategy, right? right? Like you don't really you you don't really like think of that like as you're playing or have that in, in mind as you're playing. But, but 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 let's say that like in principle, like given an infinite amount of time, then you could maybe write down like what what you would do like in, in every possible uh, position. Uh, and, and let's imagine that you don't like change your mind. Uh, about this, but but your your strategy would consist of like what you're going to do in, in each possible situation. Like that's like theoretically what, what your your strategy would, would, would be. Right. And, and then and then you could describe whether the strategy is like a, a a winning strategy or not. Like like given the choices that you're going to make, are, are you going to win no matter what the opponent does, or if the opponent makes the best responses, is the game just going to end up being a, a draw? Or is your strategy bad that you're going to lose if your opponent chooses the, the right response to, to one of the uh, things? So essentially, uh, it's, it's sort of like plotting out um, different paths that the game could yeah. follow. Okay. Yeah, it, it's kind of like doing like opening preparation, but imagine that you could do that for like the entire game. Right. Right. Yeah. So so it, it's basically like, like that. So like just in, in theory, imagine that you could do that, and then, then you could. Uh, resolve whether the game is won or 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 or, or lost. Like sure, um, for, for for some some simpler games, like they they've been solved for like like you know like what checkers, the best right? play. Yeah, che checkers. Yeah, che checkers is a win for the first player, right? Um, or I might I might have I, I think that's right. It, it, it's a, it's a win for somebody. I, I don't remember checkers uh, that that well, but. Um, but tic-tac-toe, that's a really easy one. Like, even kids basically completely solve tic-tac-toe if they play enough times. Mm -hmm. uh, that, 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 that's pretty easy to see that that is, is, a, is a draw with, with, with best play. There's only so many possible games, and probably played most of them uh, when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> right. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In short yeah. order, I would imagine. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. seem like there's too many possible variants there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a very small number of, of, of uh, possible uh, games in, in that. Um, so, so that was 
result via draw. Now, I, I, I looked up this morning to see what the status of chess was to make sure I was still correct. It's still um, theoretically unknown whether chess is a, but with perfect play is a win for white, a win for black, or a draw. So right. theoretically speaking, like from a mathematical point of view, it's, it's not yet proven that it's not a win for black. Okay. Right, right. Because, you know, I mean, uh, theoretically, I mean, there could be, I could certainly see, you know, knowing, just knowing what I know about chess, um, I, it would yeah. certainly be humorous if having that ability, that extra ability to waste one move, right, would actually be yeah. useful. Yeah, the initial position is actually zooms along. Yeah, so that, that's, from a mathematical perspective, terribly possible. Like, you, you, can, you can say, like, a very limited number of, of mathematical things. I was thinking about, like, you could give a short proof that it, it is not the case that, that for black to move one H5 wins against every possible move. Like, like you, you can prove some statement um, such as that. Right. The, the proof to, to that is, like, well, suppose that that was the case. Well, what if white plays H3, then black plays H5, and then white plays H4, then... Like, then we have the reverse position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The white's playing black now, so white should be winning. But that contradicts the fact that black was winning. So, so, so you, you can you can do little things like like that by mathematical proof. So, so it's there where we just proved that that well, at least we know that black does not have a force to win against every possible move starting with one h five. Right. Or probably by that proof, any any two pawn move. Right. We could rule that. Yeah. 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 Same same argument would apply. That there's no. Yeah. There's no. Uh, move up. Uh, there's there's no move like like that of two pawns or, or uh, yeah. I guess in, in chess that's the only kind of pawn move that could, could create that or the only kind of move that could create that situation where white could, could then become black. Right. Um, so like like in math that that kind of argument is called the strategy stealing argument. So that that's used in some other simpler games to prove that, that the second player does not have a forced win because like if, if they did then 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 the forced player could could just copy that by, by kind of wasting a move at the beginning. Right. But but in, but in chess that that's not always possible. Like like maybe black has a forced win starting with the move knight f six um, right. against something or 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 it might even be possible that that the move h five wins by force against everything except for h three. Like, <laughs> you know. That would be fascinating if that ended up being mathematically true. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's you heard it here first. One dot 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 h five double exclamation point. Yeah, another thing I was thinking about, like, mathematically speaking, like let's imagine the starting position, but with with black not having a queen. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then. Mathematically speaking, I, I don't think that there's any sort of easy proof that from that position, black doesn't win by replaying h5 to everything. Because the same argument doesn't work anymore, because then white, maybe by having the extra queen, white loses somehow. Uh, <laughs> With very poor play. But yeah, I see your point, right? Like, yeah, the, like because, the, because yeah. the two initial positions are suddenly different, even though like yeah. logically we would think the, the lack yeah. of a queen would, would right. lose instantly. Yeah, yeah. 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 my, my Heuristic that it's like almost impossible to think of a yeah I think I think there are like some studies like where a side loses by having an extra queen but like a practical play we know that's like practically impossible right um, but but yeah but but it, it just like the, the kind of reasoning that we use when playing chess like it wouldn't really hold up like if trying to if one was trying to prove a, a mathematical theorem that that way. That's so sort of fascinating that, you know, even though it's so logically intuitive, attempting to prove it mathematically is almost yeah. I mean, from from what I hear you saying, seemingly nearly impossible. Yeah. 
yeah, okay, well, I, was thinking, I was just thinking about this, this morning. I, I didn't think of any of any easy like proof that would like constitute a mathematical proof that the black wasn't winning from the starting position, starting with a clean less. Um, right. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't think of a way to mathematically prove that because but we we just know from our experience that how how, how could a clean less possibly be, be an advantage? Uh, but yeah, so so the kind of reasoning that, that I use in mathematical proofs is, is I say it's not very applicable to like when I'm playing chess because chess is more about um, in, in, intuition, kind of like more like the visual kind of thing and the kind of math that I do in my research is more like just checking all the, the, the nitty gritty details. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I wonder if that leads to like, just, just thinking out loud here, if that leads yeah. to like a broader theory that any game in which the initial position is not identical it would be hard to, to make a mathematical proof showing that a certain move leads to a win, you know, like it, you, because what we're doing by removing the queen, yeah. right, is making the two positions unidentical, essentially. Yeah, 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 that's right. Or in, in some games, like it's ne never, like it's never bad to have an, an extra piece. Uh, like is 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 I, I don't remember go well enough. Is, is that is that true in go that it's never bad to have an, an, an extra piece on the board? Yeah, so I, I'm fascinated by Go. I love Go. And from, from what I understand, what um, yes, I, I'm going to say yes, but that might not be right. Uh, but from what I understand, like to give you an example, in Go, they very frequently in tournaments allow handicaps. Um, so like the weaker rated player will just get to put like two or three stones on the board to begin the game. Yeah. So, I mean, based on that, I would assume the answer to your question is yes, that having an extra stone on the board at any given moment would be an advantage. Um, but, you know, yeah. sometimes Go is also about um, one of the key ideas of Go is removing, <clears throat> like, if you can take away all of your opponent's connection points, then um, then you can, you essentially capture their group of stones. So they need to have an open connection point at all times. So there is a case where having too many stones could be a problem, right? Oh, because oh, your opponent yeah, could be. I, I do see that. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so that's in so the strategy stealing the argument doesn't really work for, for go then because because there's like theoretically possible like a situation where you have an extra stone and that leaves you open to capture right yeah yeah there, there's like a game i don't remember you know, the, uh, the rules but there's a game called called hex that, that okay. like some math was done with that where the however the game worked like it, it was like mathematically impossible for there to ever be a, a position where it was worth to have an extra piece um so, so like in games like like, like that, you, you can prove that the um, that the second player do, doesn't have a forced win, win start if it if it's never bad to have an extra piece. Okay. But in chess, just because there there are situations where it's where it could be bad to have an extra move or to have an extra piece that, that doesn't really lend itself to the kind of mathematical argument. Right. So about all about all that you can say is that there is that there exists um, a, a solution to, to to the question that that. That there, that there is a. <laughs> so we know we know for sure the solution exists. We just don't know yeah. how to get there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So well, in math, that's sometimes considered uh, pretty good uh, progress. Like there, this, <laughs> we there, can prove that there is a solution. So progress has been made. Yeah. So there's there's this, this uh, match up that is actually relevant to the situation. That there is um an. an an engineer, a physicist, and a mathematician are all all staying in like separate rooms of, of a hotel one one night, and and uh, the place like start like all, all the rooms start start on fire. Like the engineer 
uh, w- wakes up and, and sees the fire and sees uh, so, uh, some buckets and, and fills up like five buckets of water, just drowns the, the whole room just to, to, to be safe uh, and puts out the fire. The, the physicist wakes up and calculates the exact like minimal amount of water to put it out with, with like maximum efficiency and does that. <laughs> the, the mathematician like when wakes up, sees the buckets of water, sees the fire, says, ah, solution exists, goes back to bed. <laughs> so that, that's kind of illustrating like different ways that the professions uh, tend to, to look at problems. So a lot right. of times in math, like when, once we can prove that a solution exists, then we're like, okay, well, problem solved. Uh, so that, that, that's often the way that we, we look about that. But I was thinking about the existence of solutions is actually like part of the um, part part of the reason why why we at least know that the solution exists in chess is because the game is uh, finite in the sense that there is like only a finite number of chess games right. uh, possible. So so like the process eventually stops, and then like you, you could look at it like a like you could talk about like sub games like games that like proceed like starting it from like some little point of one game, um, and, and and you could talk about the well, like a, a you, you could evaluate the sub games that are already like checkmate. That's like one for for one side or the other, and then you can work backwards to figure out if, if all the positions are one, one lost or drawn. Right. Um, so yeah, because of the finiteness, you can, you can work back and, and uh, prove that, that a solution does exist by that argument. But uh, I, was, I was looking into it that actually for for infinite games that like don't terminate, then it gets kind of more. Uh, more uh, confusing, uh, like that, that not necessarily is the case for that, that actually a solution to whether the game has like perfect play or not exists. Right. Um, and I, yes. I oh, sorry. Really briefly, so I might be a little bit confused about that, but, but just thinking about that and thinking about how it's confusing um, made me think that that, that actually is another way that, that chess might inspire some mathematical looking at something or just the concept of games in general is like because of its finiteness yeah, you mean? yeah. yeah the finiteness and then thinking about well is, is there a way to handle the theory for, for infinite games um, like what, what is it really about it and and, and actually finiteness is, is actually moving more than we, we need I was thinking about that there, there, there doesn't necessarily just like it, it's okay for an infinite number of possible chess games. Like the one thing that we really need is just that the chess games have to always end. Right. Um, so like. Yeah, actually, I was going to say that's. Um, didn't we recently, or maybe not recently, maybe it's been yeah. solved for a while, but we do know the maximum number of moves of a chess game, right? Like that's been mathematically solved, I think. Um, I think so. Or I, well, I think that. Well, people have proven some. Yeah, I, I, I think probably... I'm looking that up right um, now. <laughs> yeah, I think probably... Well, what I would guess is what's been proven is like an upper bound for the maximum number of moves. Uh-huh. But I, I'd be more surprised if they knew actually what the exact number of moves in the longest possible game was. That that sounds really hard. But I could imagine that there are various ways that you could take, figure out like, okay, no, no, like due to certain reasons, no game could possibly last longer than this number of moves. Because right. of like the 50-move rule and, 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 um, and so on. That, that like, right, yeah, the 50-move rule, I think, would be like the probably the chief limiting factor, right? Because... Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, 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 you, could, you could figure out a rough upper bound just by the 50-move rule, like count up um, how many times you can move your pawns and like add 50 moves to, to each one, and, and then, then you, you could get a, a rough upper bound to the number of possible... Um, 
and then there would have to be some sort of like multiplication factor for captures too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, captures as well, right? Yeah, so so you can. Yeah, so you can kind of... <laughs> that gets complicated like, real fast. Yeah, yeah, you can imagine a game in which um, somehow each pawn moves exactly exactly once and and like 15 moves apart and then the and then the pieces were all all captured eventually 15 moves apart and it pr- probably is not possible to do it like perfectly like, like that with like a, a gap of 15 moves in, in between each one. So that, that's why I'm saying it, it's probably more likely that people have figured out like an upper bound for how long a, a game could possibly last rather than the maximum possible game because it seems like the maximum possible game you'd have to actually have an, an actual game on, on display that, that was that number of moves. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, so I, I just found apparently there was some yeah. some research done where they I guess they were implementing the the, if the 50 move rule is mandatory, yeah. then it, the longest possible game where both players cooperate to achieve the weird goal of maximal duration <laughs> yeah. lasts 5,899 moves. That's that a lot of moves. Yeah, I wonder how yeah. they came up with that number. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, when I Googled, Googled that a second ago, I, I found something that said 5,870 moves. Hmm. Yeah, so it's some. Um, thinking about about yeah the, 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 yeah maybe I'll click on this thing to actually see what, what they what they say yeah um, they have they have like some weird ideas as to how those 5,899 <laughs> maximal moves should be accomplished um, like I'm reading some of the some yeah. of the uh, ideas here are um, uh, they seem like you know like I'm wondering why they're doing that exact thing you know what I mean um, so I don't know. I, I think that's probably not an accurate number. And I think we need, you know what I think we need, Jason? I think we need some real mathematicians to take a look at this. Oh, no. <laughs> not some internet mathematicians. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah that sounds like Do you have anyone in your department else. maybe who could uh, devote some research to this very pressing <laughs> issue? Yeah. It's, it's actually probably more, more pressing, pressing than most of my research. Yeah. But yeah, the, the I, I actually found like um, some very vague connection to, to, to my, my research and like when I was thinking about this problem about the important part of being the games that had to eventually end, um, and the, the, that's kind of related to the um, like, like to, to this thing that I, that I studied in brain theory called the uh, ascending chain condition on principal ideals. Which basically means that you can't have a, a sequence of proper divisors that, that, that never ends. Like in, in the integers, for example, imagine that you start with the number twelve, and then you have to pick a proper divisor of that, and then proper divisor of that, and so on. Mm-hmm. Like starting with twelve, like like maybe go twelve, and then four, and then two, and then one, and then you have to, to stop because you can't find any proper divisors of one. Uh, so no matter which integer you start with, like when you do a sequence of proper divisors like that, it's eventually going to end in one or minus one. Right. Um, so, so, well, rings that satisfy that property are said to have the same chain condition on principal ideals, and that's actually exactly related to, to this idea, uh, well, not exactly related, but it, the chain condition thing about it stopping is, is related to like games that eventually um, terminate. Uh, so, so I was thinking about, uh, there's a very 
through connection. And that I, I wrote a paper on on uh, on that condition a, uh, a while ago. That's why I thought about that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah, I I think that I, I'm just like down a rabbit hole now. Getting <laughs> fascinated yeah. with some of these ideas, but yeah, you know there there is. Even even just talking it out, you know, um, it, I, I guess maybe it feels like there's just a constant, maybe surface connection between the two disciplines, right? Yeah, um, I, I would say that's fair to say that there are, like, yeah, surface level ideas that get shared between one or the other, but I, I wouldn't say that studying one necessarily helps you that much with, with the other one. Right, right. Yeah. And, and you know, now that I, you know, the more I'm thinking about it, I'm, I'm wondering... Even beyond that, you know, and these are some questions which you know would take probably years to answer. But yeah. you know, like um, you mentioned, you mentioned mathematics almost benefits more from chess. You know, I think of things yeah. like um, uh, oh gosh, I forgot the name of it now. Um, Alpha, Alpha Zero, right? And and uh, Alpha Go. You know, all of these AI technologies. Yeah. One of the first things I, that a lot of them do to like you know quote unquote test the AI or determine the strength of the AI is they, they have it play chess, right? Um, and I'm sure, um, you know, this will be a great transition to to our next topic, but, um, yeah. you know, when it comes to computer engines and programming a computer engine or manipulating yeah. it and working with it, uh, I would imagine that math has to be involved in that regard, right? You know, as far um, as... Um, yeah, I, I, I suppose... Yeah, I, I suppose somewhat. I, I, I guess people probably some math to kind of evaluate the efficiency of, of different algorithms or like methods for like searching like a, a, a tree of moves or something that they might be able to, to use some, some math to figure out um, like which, which way we'll, we'll get through the search tree the, the, the fastest or the right. relevant parts or, or something like that. that I, I can imagine that using a lot of math in the computer science kind of part. So what do I I guess I, I don't really know that much about because I'm not, a, I, I mean, I only have a kind of amateur level um, knowledge of, of um, computer programming. Like, I, I programmed a, uh, a chess computer program back at the start, start of college, like a couple of days before college started. I, I was bored, so I wrote a really bad uh, chess playing program. Mm. Um, How much math I, was involved in that? <clears throat> not really any in, 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 in what I did because I, okay. I just, uh, I, I just wrote an implementation of, of like that the alpha beta pruning that that, that it um, that, that it does. Or yeah, I'm trying to think, but I don't think I I don't know if I even had I don't even know. Uh, but it, but, it, but some kind of algorithm like, like the alpha beta pruning that that is just an algorithm that you can look up and I uh, and, and I I figure out how how to how to code that and I, I just did like a very rough like proof of concept kind of programs to, to, to see that I, I can make, make a program that, that play and play against it and it was really really bad uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't program any sort of evaluation beyond like the the, the piece value like the, the, the really coarse like integer value piece value that that everybody uh, learns as a kid so I programmed that and I made the the, the, the king worth like a ridiculously large number of points. I want to trade the king, uh, obviously. Uh, <laughs> that, 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 that was that was all all, all that I um, all that I programmed in, into it. And, and 
all, all the kids can do is like see like really basic tactics for like winning pieces, but it just kind of make really dumb uh, strategic moves. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So that's my only experience with programming, and I I can say that, that I didn't use any math like at all on that. But <laughs> I, 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 right. might, I might use some math if I if I spend a longer time on it and, and sure. sure. interested in anal- analyzing like how, how could I make it better then, then maybe that might involve some math but that programming itself didn't really okay hmm. yeah. interesting so yeah. but you do have <clears throat> excuse me you do have some experience with chess and computers um, yeah and that's sort of the, the next topic that I want to talk to you about because I remember um, could you remind me the year exactly uh, when this uh, play to Polov competition took place? Um, let's see. The competition itself was in, that I participated in, I think it was 2007, and then okay. I, play, I played against him the next year in 2008. So okay. I, I won the contest in 2007, and then I, I got my reward in 2008. Right, so I remember at the time, you sort of were, were filling me in on the details here. So yeah. so let me just um, set the stage a little bit, and then, and then you can sort of fill us in here. Um, in 2007, you participated in a contest put on by was it was it the Bulgarian Chess Federation or who who ran the, the thing? Yeah, I'm not sure entirely. I, well, the, <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, the tournament was sponsored by this company, Mtel. Um, it's like a mobile phone company over there. At least they they were at the time. I I, I don't know if it's still and they is. ran the Sofia. I think it was called yeah. was it the Sofia Masters was the name of the tournament or something like that. Yeah. The, Intel yeah, Masters and Sophia, right. maybe. Yeah, I think sometimes it's called the Intel Masters, like after the name of the of the company. Right. And yeah, well, they, they were the, the sponsors to, to that, like like how, but the, the tournament had, hasn't really existed for for, for for a while now. But it's kind of like the like Quartz is like some kind of company that sponsors like 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 the Wiccan Z tournament, right? Right. Or like like things like like is is that that sort of thing? Like the, that was the name of the sponsor that. Of the tournament, and so as this tournament is going on, the Intel Masters is going on. Um, the top level players at the time are participating, and again, just to do some stage setting, you know, this was around the time when Veselin Topalov, Grandmaster Veselin Topalov, was uh, over twenty eight hundred rated. Um, yeah. He was competing for the world uh, championships. I, I think uh, it was either you know the year before or the year after he had. He had I uh, played yeah, a match for the world championship. Yeah, it, was, it was the year after he lost the, the match against Kramnik. Okay, right, yeah. So this is, you know, Topalov is one of the top players in the world. The Intel Masters are being held in Sofia. Um, there's a, there's this large sponsor, Intel, and they create a competition where um, viewers, uh, chess fans, watching the tournament can guess the move. Now, was it only of Topalov or was it all players? Uh, it was only Topalov. Okay, so Topalov's game or only his moves, or both players in the game? Uh, only, only his moves. Okay, so it was like a play like Topalov, right? Yeah, 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 that's what it's called, play like Topalov. And you'd have to enter the move that you thought he was going to play like before that move was broadcast. Okay, um, so that's the competition, right? You're, you're following Topalov's games at the Intel Masters, and you have to enter his move um, before it occurs, and if you get yeah. it right, you know, you you get a point or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and then um, whoever has the most correct moves or most correct, most total points or whatever, whatever it may yeah. be, wins um, this great prize. Yeah, that, that, that's correct. Like, over the course of the turn, they added up who, who, 
guess the most of his moves in, in all in all the games combined. Uh, and a few a few thousand people participated in, in, in the contest. I, I had the most uh, moves guessed out of anybody in the in the contest. That I actually, I think my my score is still the the, the record score for for all the years that they for the few years that they ran that contest, as far as I remember. And I think it was about double anybody else's. So, so I got a pretty high, high score. Like I'm, I'm not that good at like playing moves, but I guess I'm, I'm okay at like guessing moves. Hmm. Uh, so so yeah, and, and and obviously since it's from from home, I I, I got the benefits of, of using. Software to help guess the moves, as I'm sure everybody else is one of the top contesters uh, as well. Yeah, so that's actually that's that's what I'm curious about. So, so let's start there because I, I also want to hear a little bit about about the game you you got to play too, and and the yeah. the fruits of winning. Let's say, um, yeah. But what was your your methodology? Because I remember you were you had a very high degree of accuracy in predicting these moves. Um, so, yeah. what was your methodology, and how did you how did you do it? How did you pull it off? How did you win? Okay, so yeah, so so um, for for the opening stages of the game, like I, I would do a, a little bit, like it almost be like a little bit of opening like preparation to try to guess the the, the, the opening moves, like based on, on what what openings uh, he, he played and, and stuff like that. I, I would I would look that up before the games. But I, I'd probably actually do worse in the opening stage of the game because those moves came so fast and it's kind of hard to get them entered in before they appeared. So, so most of the points were about guessing uh, the, the middle game um, moves. And my, my, my method for, for that is I would have uh, Ripka, which back, back then was the best chess engine, running in the background, but I wouldn't just get the move from it. I would just I would have it list its top off. I think it was six choices. Uh, and basically the, the whole point of that was just if, if there's like some Winning tactic or something like 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 that, or some force move, then I, I would make sure to uh, make sure not to overlook that. Right. But otherwise, I would just see the, the six uh, choices, and then I, I and then I would choose from uh, among those based on which kind of seemed to make logical sense and, and fit in with, with, with my perception of Tomblob's style. So it's highly basically very subjective. Yeah. So so it was pretty. Uh, so subjective. So with some opening it? preparation, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What wasn't simply um, just like playing the computer's uh, suggestion is more like doing that just to make sure that I was aware of if there was like a clearly best move, then then, then obviously I'd choose that unless it was something that just seemed completely unnatural. Um, but but other than that, it's just to, to make sure I don't. Miss anything major, and then it was a, a subjective, like stylistic uh, kind of thing. Because back back then, anyway, the like when you're working with computers, like I think it involved more manual input than, than, than nowadays. And they would they would do some kind of uh, silly stuff and have to, to guide them a bit more than than, um, than the more modern engines. That I think people seem to just kind of trust what what what, what they say is truth nowadays. From 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 what I hear. Yeah, they certainly have increased in strength, and um, you know, I remember. Yeah, I remember when Rubka came out. Um, it was uh, it was considered like the the leading the leading standard at the time. Um, yeah. But even then, yeah, you, you did have to sort of manipulate them. And 
I remember reviewing my games with them, you'd have to like play out variations and see, okay, yeah. it's recommending this move, which I don't believe in. So let me play that variation out and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's what I would often do. Like, even like when, well, either when preparing or when uh, playing this contest is like, I, I, would, I would play out different moves uh, to see kind of how, how it played out or so sometimes, um, or, or, or there's some kind of move that's look really good to me, but it wasn't listed one of the choices. I would try in, inputting that and playing out a couple moves and seeing what what it thought, thought of that. Mm -hmm. So, so it wasn't yeah. a very interactive process the, the, the whole way as I was going through there. And I I don't remember my, what my actual like percentage was on number of moves guessed, but it, it was well, obviously higher, higher than the other ones. <laughs> but, but right, that is how you win. Yeah, but I'm thinking when the kinds don't really make much sense nowadays because, like, when we look at this, the like chess based um, like articles, like where they have like the games posted, they have like the percent like matching like at the end of the games. It's almost like a ridiculously like high percent. Yeah, especially like like if you look at Carlson's games, it's always like a or not always, but it's often like eighty percent or more match. Wow. Yeah, that's so, a, that feels like a really high number. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's just well. Chess engines are, are are getting getting better. Um, not not that like I, I guess probably Rip comes in two thousand nine is still significantly stronger than than than, uh, than Carlson. But it, it, so somehow like as they get better, they, they match better with, with the humans that. Um, it's kind of an interesting that, point, you know. Like engines are are like theoretically now, you know, nowadays we just think they're they have far surpassed us as far as chess yeah. play. But it's interesting that as they get stronger and stronger, they, 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 they sort of are better at helping predict human moves compared to yeah, even I, even as recently as like, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably because they're, well, uh, they're, they're kind of fi fixing some of their, their weaknesses. I, I, I believe it's probably why, why they're be a, a higher match. They would still, they're already better than humans back, back then, but they do some kind of dumb stuff and make up for it by being so much better about tactics and not making big mistakes and stuff like that. Right. But yeah, but I think just looking at the things, and I, I guess also probably part of it is that the what pairs probably as the computers got uh, stronger are training more, more extensively like them. So I think it kind of, when you train a lot with one program, I think it kind of makes you sort of play like that program. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I noticed that in some of my games that, um, yeah, my matching with like Ripka actually, I I can, I can notice that, that I often like started making like moves to match with, with that during my games because my the way that I evaluate positions was kind of influenced uh, somewhat by, by by using the, the program. It's so interesting think, you bring that up because just recently at the uh, the very recently concluded Norway Chess yeah. um, tournament this year, I yeah. I recall some comments by Magnus Carlsen himself about you know. Um, alpha zero and playing more dynamically and sacrificing pawns and uh, and yeah. that sort of thing. So. Yeah, I think that's that's true. I, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to like, it. That, that's not really available for like regular people to to, to use yet. I'm actually not even sure if it's available for uh, non-regular people like Magnus. He's, I, I, I he yeah, might have just right. simply replayed the games, you know, given them a close study. Um, I, I don't know if it's been made available for any consumption, but yeah. but who yeah, knows? Like, Maybe yeah, some of the top players have some some secrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, or or even how how that would would work? Because as far as I 
it was, was reading, I didn't really know what, what analyzing with, with Alpha Zero would, would, would be like, because I, I thought it was kind of, <laughs> right. it, it just kind of like, did like the Monte Carlo approach, like where it played out uh, a large number of like, of like, sample games for, for different moves and, and like looked at its winning percentage of the different games. At least that was my understanding of roughly what it, what it did. That's sort of my um, layman's understanding too. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and yeah. that, that's what, uh, actually interestingly, interestingly enough, since we were talking about go earlier, yeah. um, from what I understand, that's what alpha go did as well. You know, it just played yeah. out a bunch of games and then, and then played yeah. itself a bunch of games and sort of established yeah. this, um, so. Yeah. Yeah. So I I didn't know like if that if, like if you're analyzing that if it really have like a search tree that it would output like a normal engine like doing the, the standard approach would or or it would just tell you like the, the different moves like what percentage it, it scored in its sample games with the different moves. Right. Like, I, I wasn't I wasn't sure like yeah. yeah. What output would it give? Would it give yeah, an evaluation or a percent score? Yeah, because it, it 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 could be possible that. Depending on how exactly it works, it could be like by far the strongest playing engine, but it could maybe not be that useful for analysis purposes. Like if it doesn't output a useful tree, right? Um, but yeah, that's I, an interesting I point. I, I guess I guess I don't know, right? Yeah, I don't know, but but anyway, but yeah, using the uh, computer stuff and like my my own, my own input, I, I guess more moves than anybody anybody else in the in the contest. Um, and the, the prize for that was winning a free trip to Bulgaria to play a, a game against uh, Topolov. Which, yeah, that, yeah, such a cool prize. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really fun. I uh, got to meet him and, and a few of the other uh, players who, who were among the top players at the time. Like, I, I, I didn't meet Carlson. That was, like, about about a year or, or so before before he, he really got into, like, the, the top few players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but um, a lot of other players were there. Like, I met Erodian, a, a for, for, for instance. He, he's a really nice guy. Um, and Ivan uh, Chuck was, was there. That was when, when he, he was still among one of the top players. Yeah, he was yeah. in World Elite for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He, he actually won the, the tournament that, that, you're, that, that I visited for, for the prize. He, he scored eight, eight out of ten. Won, won a pretty, pretty strong victory. Wow. Yeah. So did you so, get to say? So you so uh, you traveled yeah. to Bulgaria. You played to Paul of a game. Um, yeah. And and did you get to sort of stay for the the Intel Masters as well? Um, I got to stay for for the first round of the tournament. Like they, okay. they paid for. For, for, for that much, but I, I guess um, it would be pretty expensive to, to pay for for me to stay the whole time, and, and right. also I, I, I had to get back and take finals. At, 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 <laughs> yeah, so I, oh, I, those pesky finals. Yeah, yeah. I, I took my first uh, my finals at the end of the first year of grad school, which may, may possibly be like the hardest year of grad school, because they just kind of hit with all the uh, like the most work at the start, and then after that's more just kind of research usually. But anyway, I, I had to do that those finals like immediately after getting back from from, from my from my trip from Bulgaria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. But I guess I, I was I was that that worried about it, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, the um yeah yeah the the, the but well, I'll mention that Ivan Chuck there. Uh, I, I remember my my interaction with him was. Kind of funny, like it. it oh, I kind of feel bad about but bugging for his, his, his autograph. 
that now, but I, I used, <laughs> used the one player who I, who I had to pick on to sign my, my chessboard. Okay. I saw him at breakfast in the hotel, I asked him if he could sign my chessboard, and he just uh, did without saying anything. And then immediately after that, he, he literally like ran out of the room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he, he just didn't want to be bothered. Wow. And, uh, and I, I was kind of worried uh, if I kind of threw him off, but he ended up really winning the tournament. So, 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 I, I, so maybe you gave him a boost of, of good luck there. <laughs> yeah, the, maybe, yeah, maybe that that helped him somehow get to the group by, by being bothered by saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, but but he was, uh, yeah, his. Uh, pretty, pretty great. Like, like all, all the stories about him being like really full into chess, like seemed uh, pretty, pretty accurate. Um, nice. Yeah. Cool. But um, yeah, the the game itself, uh, Tokelau played blindfolded. Um, right. And of course, for for like the show of the thing, which I, I guess I I'm not strong enough to to, to speak to it, but I, I would I would guess that his his strength wouldn't decrease. Terribly much by by being blindfolded. Like, would you say that he'd still be like a low level grandmaster while blindfolded? Or how much do you think his uh, strength would, would decrease? You know, that's really tough. I mean, I I, I can speak for here. Here's what I'll say. I think the stronger a player you are, the less your strength decreases when you're blindfolded. Yeah. So, like, you know, like for example, for myself, you know, I feel like really, I feel like I can still play pretty well blindfolded. Um, I'm just a little more blunder prone, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, uh, than I would be in, in like a regular game, you know, maybe, uh, instead of very rarely making the blunders, I'll just rarely make blunders. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. so like, you know, maybe I, I lose a little strength. Maybe, I, I don't know. It's hard to put a number on it. Maybe like a hundred rating points. Right. Yeah. So then if you figure, well, Topalov loses a hundred rating points, if that he, he's still like a 26, 2700 GM. <laughs> And again, I, I think the stronger you are, the less the less um, the less playing strength you lose in general, um, because you know yeah. you, you just have that stronger foundation. So so yeah, you were yeah. St- you were playing in blindfolded, but you were still playing like at least probably a twenty six hundred GM. Yeah, that, that, that that's what it felt like. Like anyway, that yeah. he was playing um, pretty, pretty strong, but um, but that whole game, like I, I'm not sure how, how much of it you remember, but I, I think my overall strategy can be described as like shamelessly playing for a draw with white. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, right. So that was that. And I think maybe if you realize that from, from, from the start, I, I might not have been able to achieve it, but at some point it seemed kind of like he, well, he, well, he, he played like normally like how, how he like uh, play like strongest moves. Like at one point, like he played like a, Pawn sacrifice to, to equalize in, in, in the in, in the liquidate that uh, would, would would make sense like in, in the one of his like normal games maybe against me he, he should have just uh sort of taken a bad position just to wait until I make a, a mistake right yeah yeah but the yeah I remember I, I prepared for for the game like I, I actually played e four but it ended up becoming a a, a um, a King's Indian by 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 transposition. Okay, wasn't what I was going for at all. Like I, I thought that he was going <laughs> to play. I thought he was going to play the Kiro Khan because that that was kind of during the phase when a lot of the players were, were playing the the Kiro Khan. Okay, uh, a, a lot. That was kind of when, um, like, yeah, 
Oh, it's, it's kind of when maybe he didn't uh, want to show his, uh, his preparation yeah, in the middle of the yeah, intel. That, that's yeah. that's probably it. like he wouldn't play like probably like a, a regular opening. Uh, but yeah, but that, that was kind of like the time period where in, in like the the Capablanca line of the Karakhan, like with the bishop f five, uh-huh. like people people started like just casting king side as black and playing it like like sharper with the opposite sides instead of doing the more passive like queen side castling. Right. That, that was roughly around when that became fashionable. And, and, um, and and I think that led to a surge of popularity for, for that at the, at the time. So that's what I was expecting him to play. But instead, he, like I played e four and, and he played uh, g six, <laughs> and I and I was, uh, which is probably a good thing because my preparation for the Caracan was absolutely awful. <laughs> I, 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 I planned to play this pawn sacrifice, where I sacrificed the pawn. And then just randomly played like King F two <laughs> after that for no for no reason, um, and then that that was what my preparation was. Good. Uh, so, so just, just as well <laughs> that, that I uh, didn't end up doing that. We ended up doing this King's Indian line with with uh, Knight G E two, which I think is like the Hungarian variation or something like that. Right. I think is there is there somebody in, in Iowa who, who who played that? Um, yeah, Tim sure. Tim used to play it all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, Tim, National Monster awesome. Tim McEntee was a big fan of Knight yeah. G two, Knight G three, Bishop Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't remember that like the big idea, uh, the, the way that, that he played it was to like sacrifice on on H five on H five. Yeah, yeah. Though that didn't really come up in, in, in our game because oh yeah, because him being Tabalo. The, 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 the way that he played it, like it kind of eliminated the the setup for that to, to happen. Like I, I'd already been forced to commit to. Casting kingside my, 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 myself so that like when so that so that I couldn't uh, play h four or something at some point, but but anyway, but we ended up doing the, the, this thing where and then at some point like I instead of like trying to like play on in this like folksy buying kind of position, I just treated off uh, all, all the pieces down the files and he liquidated something. There, there was some point where he could have um, sacrificed uh, like where when he's recapturing like a, when he's capturing a pawn on, on b3 at some point if mm-hmm. look up the game like if he played um his sacrifice bishop takes b3 instead of just taking it with the pawn that actually would have put put some pressure on, on me i found out looking at, at, at it later um like there's this random thing like where it turned out that i couldn't um i couldn't actually like recapture the bishop on b3 because then he'd have a pawn that promoted but like that's the kind of thing that i wonder if you if you if you might have missed that while, while blindfolded. Right. Yeah, um, sometimes those things are, are easy to overlook. Yeah, it's kind of automatic recapture. That, that's the one moment that I wondered if, 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 you, if you might have spotted that over the board. So I, I looked at the position uh, briefly this morning to, to, to try to remember if I was actually lost. Then. And it looks like I was just, I had kind of a bad position, but it should have been uh, probably still drawn with decent play. Uh, but anyway, so the, after that, but after he played the other way, we just kind of liquidated down to it, where it was like completely symmetrical, all, all pawns on the same side, like 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 equal. And I still felt like extremely under pressure for some reason, even though we just had like four versus four uh, all, all on the same side. Um, but eventually, we got to position. It was completely drawn. But then I, I blundered uh, on the very last move. But he only had like a few seconds left, so he offered to draw. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. The, the logical result probably would have been a draw, but I just well, we we were both down under under a minute at that point. Right. I, I played a terrible move, and and he, he he was nice enough to offer a draw, and I, I was nice enough 
not to try to win, win on, on time against a blindfolded person. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. A gentleman's draw and a gentleman's accept. Right. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, either one of us probably could have lost that because I just imagined that it'd be hard to, like as a practical matter, it'd be hard for him to execute the moves like fast enough when having to, to, to narrate them to somebody else. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, looking at the game now, I see, I see what you mean. It is so. For those of you who are interested, you can replay yeah. um, Doctor Jason Jewett's game with Grandmaster Vessel and Apollo. Uh, there's actually a lot of life. I found it in two or three places. If you just Google yeah. Jewett J U E T T and Apollo, you can replay the game, and you can also get some really cool photos of the match. Um, man, that looks. I, I'm jealous. That looks like you had a lot of fun over there in Bulgaria. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I, I I can't say enough how much I appreciate your willingness to come and talk about your experience with Topalov and uh, and and hopefully shed some light into this uh, chess and math debate <laughs> or conversation. Yeah. Maybe it's not so much of a debate, more of a more of an idea, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's been been fun. Uh, been fun talking to you. Same, same. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, we'll get uh, we'll get. Um, that uh, game put up there on the website. We'll get the photos up there. Oh, yeah, so if uh, viewers want to check it out, they can do that. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on, Jason. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you. Yep. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Chess Underground, a U.S. chess podcast. Please check out our entire suite of podcasts, which release every Tuesday and include Ladies' Night with Jen Shahad, as well as Chess Life cover stories and One Move at a Time with Dan Lucas. Until next time, signing off, Pete Karyanis.